Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today because today you're going to hear the chat that I had with Jane Nguyen, who is a slutty orgasmic woman and the go-to feminine embodiment coach and sacred sexuality teacher for conscious women, modern women, female leaders, and busy mamas. She is here to empower and champion women in owning their highest soul expression, their heart's passion and wildest desires, their sovereign queen power and the most orgasmic, ecstatic, open to God kind of relationships and intimacy. Jane believes in walking between worlds as a divine messenger and force of love on the planet, as well as a flawed and fumbling as fuck human that enjoys simplicity of life, family, and friendships. And I am so excited to be bringing some more sex coaches onto the podcast because like we all do it guys, we all do it, right? (laughs) we need to talk about it more. We need to allow ourselves to release ourselves from the layers of shame that we have around sexuality because it is so empowering and it is such an important tool for our spiritual and personal development when we start to connect with our sensuality as a human being. In this conversation, Me and Jane are both cisgendered women that are in heterosexual relationships. So we do speak from that perspective. However, we speak about homosexual relationships as well. And I truly believe that anyone that has a pussy can relate to the importance of starting to own your sexual empowerment because it really is part of reclaiming your worth. This is why I go into this in my program Worthy and I bring an incredible sex coach in there as well because we got to own, we got to own this sensual empowerment. And in this episode, we go into everything from fetishes and releasing blockages in our centers and connecting to our throat. Yes, our throat as a connection to our yoni, to anything and everything around being able to hold ourselves in intimate spaces and allowing ourselves to be truly and deeply vulnerable with ourselves so we can live a more empowered and beautiful life. So this is something such an electric conversation and I know that you guys are going to love it share it with anyone that it resonates with or may resonate with and go and have a follow of the incredible Jane as well for more of her magic in this space but before without any further ado let's dive into this incredible podcast Welcome back to the Beautiful Souls podcast. I'm super excited to have you here today because I have an incredible guest joining me all the way from Australia, Miss Jane Nguyen, who is a sex coach. Is it just sex coach or is it sex, love, and relationship coach? What's the specific definition? I should have asked you this before. Um, I call myself a feminine embodiment and sexuality Yes, I love it. And I'm so excited to have her here today as well, because, you know, if you've been in any of my programs, I love speaking about as a woman or someone that has a pussy to connect to your sacred sexuality and how empowering that is and how so many women are now in this time period where we are reclaiming it. But this isn't my area of expertise. So I want to bring on some experts to chat about it. And that is why Jane is here with us today. So Jane, I would love to hear your story about how you got into this because 
is, I, you know, as little girls, we probably didn't all grow up dreaming of being a sex and a feminine embodiment coach. That doesn't even exist when we were younger, but I'd love to hear your story uh, of what led you to where you are today. Um, yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's 5.30 sure. a.m. here in Australia, so it's all fresh for me. She looks fabulous, by the way. I know you can't see, but she looks great for 5.30 a.m. <laughs> thank you um so yeah like so my background is Vietnamese so I came from a culture where sexuality or anything that's related to sexuality is hidden behind closed doors mm. and I remember growing up and I was like even my look remember like watching my mom and she's like so conscious even like wearing some things that show her showing her cleavage and she'll be like oh covering it up and just having this really bizarre way of like knowing like oh I wanted to have more exploration around sexuality topic especially like you know around like teenage years and things but my mom was like no we're not going there we're not talking about it it never exists and I hope you never have sex in, in your life I just have this really, like, I guess, confusion around, like, what is acceptable and what is normal to really explore. And, yeah, and then I came to Australia when I was 14 and got into an abusive relationship, which completely traumatised me and shut down my sexual expression even more. Mm-hmm. When I left that abusive relationship, I started this path into personal development, spirituality, and I haven't looked back ever since. And so much of my journey into reclaiming myself has been about reclaiming my sexual expressions, my sexual explorations, as well as to be able to to speak as a powerful sexually awakened women in a world without shame or guilt or being apologetic and over that time yeah like in healing my sexual trauma yeah I started sharing more and more women and then got trained to specifically like working with sexuality and you know all these edgy um, spaces especially when you work with the body there's just yeah a lot more to explore and yeah, ever since I, I started working with women, I actually originally started working in intimacy space with couple and more and more I realized the power in a woman choosing herself more fully, including really owning and claiming her sexual power. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, I guess, that's my journey. And- wow. Oh, it's so impactful. Like- being around other sexually empowered women is empowering in and of itself. It's like we kind of each ignite all like all of us. And I love, I was um, sharing with Jane that I was in a mastermind with pretty much like 80% sex coaches and everyone shows up topless. And like, and it was honestly, at first I was like, little me was like, oh my God, what is this? And then it was like the most empowering place ever to be. And, you know, I speak with a lot of the women that go through my programs and we talk about the conversations that we of how we've learned about sex and mm. that's the that's so common it's like there's not even an, there's not even education and one of the things I think it's even if there is education around sex it's all about how not to get pregnant not how to have pleasure right mm-hmm. and so as women not only from patriarchy but also like passed down there's this like shame that we can't talk about it. We don't know what to do. We have to educate ourselves through things like porn and it can be so like um really takes away our power as women and even you know I know you said you you came from Vietnam and with different cultures and backgrounds it can even be more stigmatized like I know that I had I used to be a a coach for synchronized swimming and I work have um, had a lot of athletes that were um, from Asian backgrounds Um, and even when one of the things that we had to work through with them is like when they would have their period um, a lot of the Asian moms didn't want them to use tampons because they thought that it was making them, um, it's like the equivalent of them 
basically yeah yes. losing their virginity and we we have to like talk to the moms and be like you know like and, you know they can't take a week off of training every month and it's like tampons isn't bad you know and just educating them on that um because and, and, but that was just their passed down knowledge from you know what had been passed mm -hmm. down in their culture um how did you find like being coming from a Vietnamese background going into the sexual empowerment space like what was it like breaking through those boundaries in your culture I can imagine you would have stirred up a few pots <laughs> I have stirred up a lot actually um I remember when I first started working in sexuality space my mom was like what what are you doing to your life like she just completely lost it and yeah, it's actually one of the most profound things in my life to really stand for what I believe in. Because, yes, I work in sexuality space, but it's so much more than that because sexuality essentially is just an expression of ourselves, right? And this is I share with a lot of my clients, like how you show up in the bedroom, essentially how you show up in life. And if you can't stand for something you believe in, if you can't speak your truth, if you can't own your no, if you can't own your yes, it reflects of how you show up in life in your business. And so for me at the point, it, it was really important for me to be like, actually, this is something that's truest in my expression right now. It may change, but right now I have to stand for that. And that may mean that, my mom may reject me. My family may turn away from me and I may lose my tribe. But I have to stand for that. And that's really important because these patterns of what I call self-abandonment happens all the time, especially when it comes to intimacy. Where have we said yes, even though our body is not ready? Where have we continued to allow penetration when we know we need to slow down? A lot of women can't speak their truth. And it's because our, our jaw, our sex, our throat are very, very linked. And so when we, when we can't own our sexual power, often we are very blocked in our verbal expression as well. Mm -hmm. And so at a time it was like, actually, this is mine to own. And I had to let go of like, upsetting my parents, my family, and actually losing a lot of friends. People, people essentially just thought like, I just lost it. Wow, that would have been hard. Especially as thing, it's just the, the strong conditionings I grew up in. And yeah, like uncomfortable conversations because this is what I guess the what I've learned is that we, we change through two ways. One, which is through inspiration. We look at someone and they really inspire us to change. Mm -hmm. The other one is through trigger. Someone triggers us so much that it shatter the illusion of what safety is or what is possible. And then we are called to lean in into change, into transformation. And with what I do, a lot of the time is the trigger points. People actually come into my space like, you trigger me so freaking much and I'm here. What have you got to show me? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's quite interesting that over time, my mom had really learned to accept that this is a part of me. And now we have conversations and um, I ran a program called Slut. To really own and actually my mom really loved it. Like she sent me love heart and she wish me good luck which is like so amazing to receive yeah wow that's a, like and it's like you're like rewriting the generational like belief systems in the work that you're doing not only you know for the women that you work with but just in like making the changes yourself and even like I've always I like I'm, I'm not a mother but like I will be someday and I know you're a mother. And one of the things that I've been really interested in is how people in, in your space, the sex and intimacy space, now walk into conversations with children around sex so differently than we have been brought up. And I'd love for you to, I know have a lot of mothers that listen, like, or, or parents. Um, how do you approach that? Like, do you have a daughter or a son? Yes, yeah. I've got okay. a five-year-old daughter. 
Yeah, she's she's definitely a rebel. Jane. <laughs> um yeah, it's interesting because um, a lot of people actually have asked me, like, you're a mother and you're doing this. How does that work? And what I first, like, what I want to share is that for a lot of women, we have an internal split in our system. It's called the Madonna Hall split, where we have the role, which is, you know, you're now a mother, you're, you're meant to be loving and compassionate and devotional and sacrificial and you devote all your life to something outside of yourself. And then there's another part of ourself that's also the wild, you know, like sexual deviant that wants amazing sex and intimacy. And often that part is suppressed in a lot, a lot of mothers. And for me, integrating both of these simply means that I yeah, I become the, the full expression of a woman because I believe that children, when we look at our parents, we look at our mothers as the first imprint of the feminine, yeah, of how a woman should show up in the world. And we look at her as like, oh, wow, like she's able to do this, this is acceptable. And so for a lot of us, when we don't have that, like healthy imprints, we grow up having a bit of a skewed perspective around what is acceptable and often we fall into the good girl. And for me, having done so much work to unlearn that, it has been really important for me to, to speak freely around sexuality. And it doesn't mean that I talk about sex to my five-year-old daughter. It's not that. But in my being, the, the level of freedom that I show in myself like sometimes I walk around naked and I don't have like weird insecurity around my body. Like my daughter look at my body and go, oh yeah, that's normal. Mm. She didn't have this weird version of like, oh, what is that? And because I didn't have that in my system. And yeah, at the moment she's at the stage where we start having more, I guess, like conscious conversation around you know, what are the boobs and <laughs> what can we do? What can we touch? And, you know, having more awareness around that, which is really, really amazing and beautiful. I wish, you know, I, I had that when I was five. Um, and it's really, for me, it's really empowering because now we're learning about boundary and consent at five. Yeah. Like I'm actually able to say to her, hey, this is mommy's boobies. You can't just touch them. You have to ask for permission and sometimes I will say no, and it doesn't mean I don't love you. And so, and now my, my, my daughter actually have a very strong awareness around her body. I remember telling a lot of people, like when I was changing her at four months old, I actually asked permission. She was a four month old baby. And I was like, can I actually touch the yoni? And a lot of people got really like having this weird reactions. Like, but why would you like, well, because of the acknowledgement that is her body, not mine. Mm -hmm. And so having this level of awareness, it's just amazing because I work with so many women who are so disconnected from their body that when something comes up and it's a strong no, they can't actually speak up because they've been so disconnected for so long. So mm -hmm. for my daughter to know that, hey, this is my body, and even now she will tell me, Mom, you forgot to ask for permission. I'm like, damn it. Really? Oh, look at you. Prime her. That's awesome, though. My goodness. Yeah, and so I feel like it, in long term, it empowers her to really own herself, her confidence, her body. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. That's really powerful. And I think that's like the most... Um, important way to teach whether it be children or anyone is like through embodiment right it's not not like you do this and I'm not going to do the opposite but it's like this is how I act this is how I learn because that's how they're going to take it in the most and then mm. through conversations as well it's going to come up how do you know like how you're going to approach the like you know the, I feel like the traumatizing using quotation marks birds and bees conversation that many of us had or didn't have like do you already know or have you kind of just like, is it just going to be a natural flow? I think it will be just a natural flow and it's more to do with my own, I guess, like charge around it. If I'm yeah. just like, oh, yeah, this is it, then 
my daughter will, will, I guess, like, because children learn through also taking in energy. So it's not just information because they don't have that much of development in their brain at this stage to understand completely, but they read through energy. So how we hold ourselves in this conversation is also very important, not just the information we give them. And so if we have any weird contraction, they will really like, oh, okay, this is, you know, contracting in my body. There must be something wrong. Mm. Yeah, because that, that's how children absorb the world. Mm. They're very intuitive, sensitive being. And so for me, I guess like, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I'm sure there'll be moments where like, uh, not sure how to have this conversation, but <laughs> But yeah, I think it's important to have that level of openness and to share openly with what I know and what I've walked through. And it, and it's not about, I think this is the important bit. It's not about me teaching her. It's about us exploring together. Mm. And that in itself is really powerful because if we, as parents, think that yeah, we know it all. We've been there, done that. Then we actually rob ourselves of the opportunity to learn also from our children mm. or places where they often reflect to us parts of ourselves that we haven't fully owned yet. You know, even tricky conversations can really mean, wow, I feel contracting around that topic. What if? What is it about me that I haven't really owned or claimed and go and explore and be curious about like our children's amazing teachers when it comes to that Mm, uh, yeah and they are so just like you said like so intuitive before like like the world kind of takes away their intuition you know or at least for many of us like because of the conditioning but it's like that you that's such a great point because they they read energy and they know, and they, uh, like, they're so much more wise than I think that we give them credit for. I'm I'm not a mother, but I am the auntie of 14 nieces and nephews. So I've, I've around many children and it's just, you see these little beings and like, they know some shit that we can learn a lot from them. Right. And, um, that's yeah, some really incredible points. And I feel like I'm like putting them all in my like little pocket for parenting in the future. Um, I love what you said about the throat connected. I haven't, I think I've heard that before, but I'd love for you to go into that. The throat being connected to our yoni and our boundaries. Cause it's so true. Like I'm thinking about about times in my life where I wasn't as empowered in my own sexuality. I wasn't able to even speak up, but like, what is the connection there and, and how can women, um, or people with pussies start to work through that? Mm. Yeah, so a lot of time when I work with um, a woman's body, I will ask her to actually loosen up her jaw because our jaws is actually, you can you feel it. It's really like tight. Yeah. We're both and, touching our jaws right now. <laughs> and what's quite interesting is our jaw is actually quite connected to our sex, especially more our hips. So when you have a tight jaw, often you have a tight hips. And what's quite fascinating is when you look inside our our mouth, our throat, the inside of our mouth, our throat, essentially it looks like exactly, not probably not exactly, exactly, but very similar to our cervix and our yoni, the inside. Mm. And so it's actually quite interesting that when we start activating our sex, often women will start making sound like moaning, humming, and singing. And there's this like correlation between the two that often when you actually start working with our jaw, we can also find that more energy actually get released through our sex center. And so the, the way to really activate is firstly, just think about like your body, it's like a, a channel, a pipe. Yeah. So there's different centers in the body. Obviously you've got, you know, the mind or the soul you got the heart, you got the womb, the intuition, as well as the sex. And through that, any of these centers get blocked and your throats also get blocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, but most of the time, it's because we will, we don't actually bring the energy down to our sex, to our base. It's often getting stuck in our heart, like our, especially with women, like emotions, for example we will feel something and we'll cry and we'll let it out. 
But when it comes to our sex, how often we feel like we can't make loud noises in the bedroom. We can't moan. We can't exhale too loud. And I remember I went to a yoga class and I was just <laughs> stretching and I start making sound. And literally women look around me like, what is she on? <laughs> and it just simply is like, oh, and just really let that out. And actually that is such a powerful and simple practice for a lot of women. Can you, when you breathe in and exhale, can you make a bit of sound mm-hmm. to really allow the sound because sound carries strong vibration to permeate through different parts of your body. Mm-hmm. Because when you make sound from your heart, it's different when you make sound from your womb or your sex. We have different vibration in our body. And so with that, it's about exploring what, what does my heart want to share? What does my womb want to share? How does my sex, how does my pleasures want to share with the world? And allowing that. And obviously, if you have any sort of trauma, um, then it's probably harder to really express yourself in that way. Um, and I recommend to really work with someone to support the release of the healing of the trauma but yeah, that simple practice, like breathe in and as you exhale, make some sound and actually train your body that it's normal mm. to make sound. Mm. That's, yeah, I, I think of um, this morning I did yoga and at the end, you know, how you do ohm and like, I love, I love doing ohm, like I look forward to the ohm, but it's like, because we, I freely allow myself to just express my voice and it feels so good and like it's that's such an interesting thing I didn't realize that the the heart the womb and the sex centers like have different vibrations and is like is would you say using the voice is the best way to like clear the blockages or there are other ways as well there's usually the other the I guess the other way around which is when we clear the blockages in our body then naturally we'll make sound but again, the vibration can touch parts of ourselves because sometimes when I have like this emotional block and I just put my hand on my heart and I actually just make sound, it's actually move energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like the chicken, the egg, like you can start working with both and it's not right or wrong. It just simply, and it will bring up stuff. When you start making sound from your sex, if you've had trauma, then it will start touching on those bits. And that's actually also a very empowering way to start exploring, wow, like what is here? Or if you actually start making sound and you feel nothing and you feel completely like disconnected, like, wow, I start making sound, I can't feel anything. What's there to explore? And so I often say to women, it's like, Treat everything as a sign. It's your body telling you something. There's deeper wisdom in our body that we often neglect. And when we really sit with what's here, because it's not about the orgasm or the pleasure. Like if it's kind of interesting because a lot of women will come to me and go like, I want to have the best orgasm. And when they start working with me, they realize, wow, there's a lot more to that because the orgasm will come naturally effortlessly when you start working on your self-connection mm. you don't have to try all the tools that it takes actually I say to women's like okay let's put all the tools aside all the toys aside and let's focus on your self-connection because that's a foundation our self-connection comes first always always and if we can't stand for that if we can't hold ourselves in the most you know, triggering situation and we keep abandoning ourselves. How can we fully let go and surrender and trust ourselves in the most intimate situation? And so, yeah, for me, it's like instead of just going there and like, you know, do all the things to be like more orgasmic, it's like actually the play start with your own self-connection, being with sensations in your body, loving yourself just as you are holding yourself, speaking your truth, all these things are linked greatly when it comes to sex and intimacy. Because if you can't speak your truth when you're with your mom, more likely you can't speak your truth when you, when you are with your partner. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because who we are is who we are anywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's so yeah, so powerful to hear you just reiterate that. And it's like everything, everything. Everything comes back to ourselves, like starting with loving ourselves, starting with being with ourselves. I was speaking to a, um, uh, a coach that talks about manifesting soulmate love and really uh, I had the feeling, uh, cause this is what I tell others, but again, not my area of expertise specifically, but she, she was sharing. It's like, it's all starts with like the love of thyself and connection with thyself. It's like, we in the society seem to think that all of the answers lie in things outside of us. At least that's what marketing (laughs) tells us. But it's like, if we give ourselves the grace and the space to actually sit with who we are, we will usually, and having the guidance and mentorship is really helpful as well. We will find all of the answers that we're looking for and all the feelings that we're looking for within. And what's outside of that is just a bonus. And and even in what you're saying and like the, I think of just, you know, so many women and myself in the past as well, you feel like you have to be silent in sex because it feels, it's almost like, uh, you know, with past conditioning, it's like, oh, it's not okay. No one, I don't want anyone to know that this is happening. Right. Like, can't like, God yeah, forbid, yeah. Like God forbid the neighbors hear me or something. Right. And so you just really want to be quiet but it's, it's such a representation of like how we do one thing is how we do everything. It's like, well, if you're not letting yourself be heard in the bedroom in a safe space and where are you not standing up for yourself in your life? Where are you not speaking your truth? Where are you holding yourself back? Mm-hmm. And like the more that I feel like I get into my understanding of the amazing world of sex and sensuality, it's like, it's, there's so much personal and spiritual development in that space in getting in tune with yourself and your body you know yeah 100 percent. because and I guess this is the thing about soulmates um if you just focus on being the one then naturally in terms of vibration you attract exactly that we are always the mirror reflection things that's like reflecting our life like so for me it's not so much about like just attracting the ones like if you just be the one then the person who comes to you whether that he's the right one or not doesn't matter because you will always have yourself and that's the thing I say to women it's like if you keep abandoning yourself thinking that love is outside you will look forever because there's never out there it's here and there's such a beautiful place where a woman can just like place her hand on her heart and go, I've got you. Mm. It doesn't matter. I've got you. There's so much power in that. Yeah, because we have been conditioned, especially the women I work with, under what I call the good girl paradigm. Mm. We've learned to just like abandon ourselves and make sure that everyone around us is happy. We do the right thing. We follow the rules. We shut down our needs, our voice, our expressions. We're trying to like stay in the line you know, not be too much, but also like not being just for like, oh, you're not good enough. Like just somewhere in the middle where it's mundane. And often the place where our highest joy is actually the spectrum. Mm. Yeah, how can we really hold ourselves and go, I've got you. If you cry, if you bore your eyes out or you're being too much and express yourself and own, you know, your bigness, I've got you. Mm-hmm. And let's go, let's play in life. And that also, again, reflects in the bedroom as well because, there, you know, when it comes to sex, it's not always like orgasmic. There are moments where you just like, I just want to be held. I'm so vulnerable. Mm. Can you really allow yourself to be in that? Or are you trying to fake it and be like, oh, look at me, I'm sexy and I'm powerful? No, actually, say where you're at. And there'll be moments when you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go and take what I want and what I design. You're going to be on top and you're going to be wild and expressive. There are moments for that. But regardless, can you hold yourself in that? Because a man may be like, actually, this is not for me. Mm. And we can't control their expressions or how they receive us 
but what we can be responsible for is how we hold ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just like taken aback by your words. There's, it's so true and so beautiful. And like to allow ourselves the space to go to those vulnerable places because sex can also be so healing mm-hmm. in the right space. Like there's been multiple times where I've just like with my partner, just like bald because it like something comes up and then I'm just crying. I don't even know what it is. It's like mm-hmm. nothing. I was like, I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good, but it's just coming out because it's just like when you allow yourself to touch those deep parts of you that maybe we don't let be seen when we're just living in the world with, you know, the masks that sometimes we wear, you let all of those down and then the floodgates can come and the feelings can come and the joy can come. And it's this deep, like healing and spiritual experience for so many. And I know that there's some people listening who they may not be in a monogamous relationship and as a society, and even I've had this in the past with, I grew up Catholic. So taking on all the, the baggage of that. Um, but the, the guilt and the shame that sometimes people feel for having multiple sexual partners, I'd love for you to like share on that because I know that there's, even though like, I feel like it's more normalized in society, I think still sometimes, and maybe it's like general generationally ingrained in us. It's like, I think more so as well, women, right. It's like the stigma of like the woman's the slut. I love that you have a program called slut and the man's like, Oh, the big guy, like good on him for sleeping with multiple people or the woman's the whore, right? Like how, how can a woman reconcile and um, that kind of guilt that may come up if they do have decide to sleep with multiple people, which is fine as long as it's consensual. Yeah. So I look at this as it's, it's like um, a reflection, I guess, more in terms of I'll speak more to, I guess, like women's desires because we have different desires and when it comes to sexual desires, yeah, we have a lot of guilt and shame because yeah, you'll be damn, you'll be a slut or a whore. And some of the most liberating thing a woman can do is actually own that, yeah, I do have desires. We all, we all do, different spectrum. And, and then when it comes to relationships, like, again, you know, you just, all you can do is hold yourself, be respons- responsible for what, what's here in your relationship with yourself and with your partners. You can't control you know, what people think of you. And so with that, in choosing <clears throat> and continuing to choose yourself, it's just like me and you know, my mom's like, I'm doing this, this is my life. Mm-hmm. And I love you, I still love you, even though you don't understand. And we have to let go. We have to let go of wanting to be someone so we can get love and acceptance and validation and to recognize that it's all in here let's come back to our home base yourself and remember that we are enough and worthy regardless doesn't matter if you make the most like crazy mistake or if yeah you do something like outrageous like remember you are worthy enough and no one can tell you that no one can assure you that but yourself and it's a choice. It's a powerful choice to, to say to yourself, like, I, I have these desires, but they do not define me ever. I make these mistakes, but they do not define me. Yes, I be, I'm a bit crazy and out there, but people's opinions don't define me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just allowing ourselves to feel and desire what we want to desire. And I think sometimes it's like, if we feel guilty around that, it's like, where is that coming from? Is that actually coming from my truth? Or is that coming from something I was told, something that I heard, something that parents believe? Um, And just kind of peeling back those layers. And you saying that you have, I love this, you have a program called Slut. How does a woman reclaim her inner slut? (laughs) Tell me about it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) So, um, I believe that when someone, you know, throw words at you as a weapon, it's actually really empowering to, to claim that and to, to not hide from those judgments. And we do, we have those slutty side of ourselves, the deviant side that's like, oh, yeah, like, yes, I am a dirty whore, you know, take me. 
And it's been really empowering. And it's been really so terrifying for me to really claim like that space in the world. And so in reclaiming the word slow, I actually break it down. So the S stands for reclaiming our sacred sexuality. Mm. The L stands for loving devotion firstly to ourselves and then second of all to our intimate partner. The U stands for unapologetic expressions of ourselves and claiming all that we want and all that we desire. Obviously, the T is the trust and surrender in sex and in life. And so the journey what women through essentially through the body, through the four big centers of our body, the soul, the heart, the womb, and the sex, and through that working through different barriers and blockages that's stopping women from really just owning herself, her sexual expressions. And what I've found that because a lot of time when we talk about sex, we don't talk about the heart. And it's actually a big, big part of my work. And I believe in sexuality work because we can have lustful desires. We can have like amazing orgasms, but if we are completely numb and disconnected from our heart, then we won't be happy or satisfied or fulfilled. And so when we talk about sexuality, it's also important to talk about the heart, the devotion to ourselves so that when we have sex with someone, our full body is open, not just our yoni. Mm. And yeah, I think that's that's such a big missing piece in a lot of sexuality conversation. Mm. Create safety for ourselves, what opens us. No, we don't talk about the vulnerability component to really open ourselves to uh, open our heart to receive someone. Mm. How do you open the heart? It's <laughs> a big question, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a big question to share, but again, it's it's I call it's a press of de-armoring. So we have gates. Yeah, we have walls to protect ourselves. If you've been hurt in the past. If you've been um, rejected, abandoned in the past, we have gates. And so with that is firstly reassuring ourselves that, hey, we don't have to actually keep this gate to feel safe, to be safe. And actually it's a natural state of our being to be open, to be receptive to the world, to people. And with that, it calls us to really hold, yeah, our power. Mm. Because the heart is one of the most vulnerable places. The two vulnerable places, the heart um, and obviously the yoni. A lot, and a lot of the time we come to the heart, so we don't realise that it's our first touch points the world. Like, think about like our nipples like pointing out and it's mm. the first part that touches the world. And so when we... <laughs> wow, I just thought of that. <laughs> this is for a man, it's actually his penis. Right, yeah. that point that touches the world. If it's hard, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But even if it's flaccid, like it's actually the first part. When even when it stands, like it's the first part that touches the world. Yeah, that's our positive chart. That's how we learn about the world. And so, for a lot of men, they learn about the world, our relationship through the penis. Yeah, and so. Yeah, like, I mean, this is, you know, another conversation where it's like the difference between like how women do sex and how men do sex. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to our heart, like we don't realise the power of our breast. We don't realise the power of this centre. And to really de-armour the heart is to allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah, because your vulnerability is so powerful, so powerful. Can you stay with yourself in the most vulnerable place and still hold yourself in that? Not shut down the gates, not putting armors on to be like, oh, I'm an independent woman. I am strong. Actually, your strength can also come from the most vulnerable place. Mm. And allowing yourself to be seen and heard and met in that. And Interestingly enough, that for a lot of women, there's a longing and an ache in our heart to be met. A lot of women in relationships like, you don't see me, you don't understand me, I'm, I don't feel met. 
And this is the place where self-intimacy comes from. If we can't be intimate with ourselves in the most vulnerable place in our heart and hold all these tender parts, all the slower moving parts, then how can we ever share that with the world proudly? Mm. And so, yeah, they just, I mean, there's a lot to really uncover around how to really open the heart. But firstly, it's, again, self-connection. Can you stay with yourself? Can you be with yourself? Not like getting stuck in the story of the past because the heart can also hold a lot of trauma, especially if you have any sort of like heartbreaks or abandonment uh, wounds, the heart holds it. And the way to really de-armor the heart is to feel it all the way through, all the way through. Feel the heartbreaks. Feel the disappointment, feel the rejection. Let it actually crack you open to life to realize that, wow, even in the heartbreaks, I've got myself. Even in this most vulnerable place where I feel broken, I'm okay. I've got myself. And so, yeah. It's like, and I've seen that with myself and with, friends and with clients it's like when you fully allow yourself to go into the pain to the bottom of the ocean of that pain it's so hard in the moment but it's Mm. also it like creates rapid transformation as well because people move through it really quickly like I've seen people move through heart-wrenching breakups like you know in in a month because they've really gone there it's like with anything and I I teach this you know to my clients as well is you have to feel it you have to allow yourself to go into the depths of the darkness scream cry do what you need to do and be with yourself and usually in those moments in the breaking open we have this time we're like it's actually going to be okay you know, mm. and just like you said, I, I got me, I got me and I can figure this out mm. and it's darkest before the dawn and good things are coming on the other side of this and it will all be okay. And it's such a profound moment of self-transformation when you realize that you can hold yourself and you can like be intimate with yourself and you can be the answer for all the things that you need that you thought mm. you had to receive from everything outside of you, you know? And I love that you said the word um, de-armoring. I've Mm. actually heard, uh, these are like all the questions I've been dying to ask. (laughs) But I I know- I know I've heard de-armoring, you can actually have yoni de-armoring, correct? Could you explain that to me? Because I've actually thought about doing that Um, because I have friends that have done it and it can be really potent. But what is yoni de-armoring? So, um, and you can use, you know, worn or jade eggs or even just simply like your fingers and um, just really be essentially that process is, again, feeling all the way through. Because a lot of the time when we have sex, we, we don't really feel much. Mm. You know, it's a functional kind of experience. Oh, yeah, you know, there's penetration and we come. But there's just so many layers in that. And this is where when we stay in the slowness of the moment, the de-armoring happens. And you can also get, you know, like um, work with a practitioner that's training mm-hmm. that to support you as well. And essentially the process is to be so slow, to be so present with yourself, with, with these parts, with your yoni, and allow the de-armor to happen, allowing the places where you may have had trauma, that you may have felt abandoned, that you may feel numb to really come into the surface so that we can feel all the way through. Because, and this is not just the heart or the yoni that we can do a lot with even our normal skin and body as well, is because when you look at children, right, they're quite open. Mm -hmm. And how they process emotion is that they feel something, they express it, the energy moves through their body and out. And the next moment they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. That's how our body, because we have a primal body, yeah, 
that's how body processes energy and emotions. But as we grow up, obviously, mom and dad tell us, you shouldn't be crying. It's bad. You know, like be quiet, shush. And, you know, what are you crying for? What are you, you know, making big fuss about? And what happened is these energies get trapped. They're not um, fulfilling their, like their, their circuit in the body. They're not, and they're not able to move through our system. And so, and that can happen more so in trauma, but in a general thing, even just emotions, like it's blocked. And so when we do the armoring work, essentially we bring so much love and presence just like, you know, holding the little girl, little boy inside and go, it's okay, I've got you. And allowing that process to, to happen. Mm. Once that move through the system, like then our body can feel like, okay, we'll be, we are back to our natural state of being, which is being open to life. Mm. And so, yeah, you can do it with a lot of places. I've done it with like just, sometimes like we hold a lot of tension in the shoulder and so just like really just holding it and just breathe and be present to what's here can actually shed layers of like wow I've carried a lot and it's you know and then the process of healing can happen in that yeah Yeah, because so many we like that book like the body keeps score but we I think we're just not taught I guess that our our yoni keeps score as well right like our yoni holds the the pain and the trauma and would you say that's why for some women it's like not pleasurable or it's there's not even a feeling because of that trauma in the body yes yes Mm -hmm. because and it also depends on um our fear response right like our trauma response in our body and part of I guess the numbing or the disconnection or the disassociation or even fawning response in some cases is because we've learned to protect ourselves. It's the gates. The gates come in, we shut ourselves, and essentially it's a protective layer. You know, I work with a lot of independent, like strong, powerful, kick-ass women, and a lot of them actually are quite numb in the body, in the heart, in the yoni, and it's because... They have learned to put a, a front on. Like if I actually show a big front, it's like animals, right? Think about animals like, okay, there's there's a threat. So the bigger I roar, then the more likely that I'll be safer. And we do that. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is we don't allow ourselves to like be with these parts and feel like, actually, I don't feel safe. Actually, I feel really tender and vulnerable. And so when we allow ourselves to do that, then yeah, we just become open. And it's actually, there's a fearlessness in being open. It's like, we can like, like by the heart, the heart doesn't break, our ego breaks. Mm. Yeah, the heart can break a thousand times and it's fine. But our ego, the, the illusion, the stories that we have around what it is or what it's meant to be, that will get shattered. And so there's a lot of confusion around yeah around that and around the pain and pain story and yeah the more we just simply allow ourselves to come back to the natural state of being then the happier we are yeah and talking about like sex and feeling numb is actually feeling the sensations like numbness is actually a sensation mm-hmm. in the body yeah when you just stay with that and not like oh I'm not orgasmic or I'm not pleasurable and you judge yourself again you build more layers on top and this is why a lot of women need to learn to self-hold often we want a man to be present again if that's that presence you know we want a man a masculine man to be present to us it's actually it's also our responsibility mm. and and it's like doesn't it's not even just in heterosexual relationships, like whether you're with a woman or a man and a man, or if you're trans and non-binary, like it's just having the ability to hold yourself in that and Mm. not relying on, I feel like there's there's so much that can be learned from sex, but not relying on the other person to give you what, 
you that you want, but you have to know what you want and you can ask for what you want and you deserve what you want, but how are they going to know what you want if you don't know what you want, right? So we have to discover, yeah, we have to have our self-discovery. We have to have like coming into like re-knowing this, this body, this soul that we have, have in this lifetime. Um, it's yeah, it's just such a powerful conversation. I have another question, all the questions for you. Let's talk about (laughs) diving into it. Like people that have like fetishes and sexual fantasies and stuff like that. And there's a lot of shame around this and this is okay. This is my take. This is my belief. I don't necessarily think that this is right, but this is my belief. I feel like when we repress our sexual fantasies or fetishes, that's when things can come out and get dark and dirty. And we have like sexual abuse um, that comes out. But I feel like in really like moving that darkness out of the world, it's individually allowing us to reclaim our sexual fantasies or fetishes in a safe, sacred space in a consensual relationship or a consensual sexual place. What is your take on that? People, you know, whether you like want to have a threesome or voyeurism or you like feet or, you know, whatever it is, because everyone has different things and just letting go of the shame. Yeah, I guess the important thing, I do believe um, that a lot of our fetishes and desires are from often our trauma. Mm. Unfortunately. Yeah, that makes sense. Because from a from an open state of being, obviously, like we able to receive more, we notice things more, we are more receptive. And if there's trauma in our body, then often when for some people to really experience pleasure, we have to go to a bit more into the extreme spectrum. Yeah, and I'm talking like BDSM and using pain to actually feel pleasure and for me it's important to recognize that firstly before you explore like I work with a lot of like dark feminine um, and so there's no judgment around your desires or fantasy or fetishes but it's important to recognize where's that part coming from first and foremost so that you can bring more conscious and healing when you explore this territory rather than just like, oh yeah, another thing that you do. And I believe like when you bring consciousness into that, King or BDSM can be the most healing place, the most healing place. And even we're now in a relationship, which is 12 and a half years, we have played in the, the full spectrum. There's moments where he can just hold me like with so much love and just stay there with me and then moment where like I fully submit to him Mm. and there's actually power in doing that and it's not the place where and you know we talk about consent because in that like you choosing to go into that with full consciousness and power and that's where the healing comes from it's not coming from a place of I guess like unconscious and getting dragged in and re-traumatize yourself through those activities. There's a big possibility. And for me, you know, desires or fetishes essentially, it's just like clothes, right? Like we, every day we wake up, we're like, I'm not feeling this today. Let's try something else. Yeah. And, and when you look at that from that perspective, it, I think a lot of it is because it's linked to sex, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot more density. There's a lot more judgment and shame is because, yeah, like generally sexuality holds a lot of shame anyway. And so when you bring an extra layers of like desires or fantasies or fetishes, then you'd be like, oh, like it's really edgy. But actually there's a freedom in owning our darker parts. We do have them. And a lot of women are actually terrified. I don't use just the word like fearful terrified of owning these parts because in owning them we really have to look at what is our identity we have to really look at like what defines us what what we allow to define us Mm. and something is a really important thing around desires that not all desires or fantasies have to come 
true. There's actually three-step process um, where firstly admitting that we have desires and allows us the space and the permission to be with that. And you can journal, you can speak that out loud to yourself, like really give yourself space to explore mm. without judgment. And that's the key, without judgment. It's like, wow. And sometimes, like, sometimes I actually have to admit to myself, oh, my God, I'm really fucked up. And, and <laughs> because, like, we think that, so might as well just speak it out loud. And the moment you speak it out loud, the charge just completely disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next stage is obviously if you are in a relationship to share that with your partner and feel that permission to explore like, hey, this is what I design, what I like, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And have that conversation. And usually by this stage, the, you know, the charge completely disappears because you're like, oh, wow, like there's this conversation we're having and it builds intimacy. Mm-hmm. And obviously the last stage is the manifestation, Right. And to be honest with you, there's so many desires that haven't come through for me to to go to the last stage of manifestation. I feel completely fine because I no longer have the charge in my body. Before a lot of women, they almost like they jump so many steps ahead and thinking, oh my God, I have this thought, this idea, and that needs to come through now. And so everything get like brought into the equation of like, what does it mean about me? What does it mean about my relationship? Oh my God, I'm going to destroy what I've created here. And instead, actually, there are a few steps to really go through. And by the time that you go move through all those steps, at the end, you you can actually choose to manifest your desire from a place of like full consciousness and power not from a place of like trigger or not from a place of fear Mm. and actually choosing do I want to have this in my life and you know for a lot of couples like open relating or polyamorous relationship is what they desire because they've moved through that Mm -hmm. space and time to be like wow yeah I have this desire and it can be such a empowering place to explore and to be and to really like yeah give yourself permission to play this like we treat sex too seriously there's a lot of play in sexuality mm. yeah it, it's very empowering mm. like it's kind of like the shadow like it is a shadow within us right we like once we start to look at the shadow within us we're like oh okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was because I've like tried to put it in this dark corner of my mind and never look at it for my entire life. And then I finally sit with this and it kind of just, sometimes it dissolves. Sometimes, you know, parts of it need to come out through expression or like, you know, um, you know, anger or whatever you're needing to feel. But most of the time you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And maybe I don't even want to act on this but I just needed to allow myself to think it or feel it, you know? And if I do want to act on it as well, you know, depending on what it is, as long as it's consensual, not harming anyone, like it's okay, that's fine. And I can just pull away the conditions of what it, I feel like I am because I desire this, right? Cause we're, we're put in these as, you know, we're women, we're put in these cookie cutter places of you're a heterosexual woman that likes to have sex missionary style that is consensual to your man it's like fuck that's just not the world that we're living in anymore right but so many of us still feel that right because it's like we're carrying the lineage of generations of women who have had to fit into that stereotype but we don't have to anymore and I think it's like that's why I said at the beginning it's like reclaiming your sexual power as a woman is like so like it's part of the process to reclaiming your power in general um and it's our conversation has just been so fascinating and I know that so many women will absolutely love it is there anything that you have to share? Last remarks, beautiful Jane. Oh, um, let's need to share. Yeah, I guess like um, I'll share a prayer. Actually, um, what's true for me is that my intention on my prayer for you um, that you find a place in yourself where there's full permission to simply be you whether it's 
you know, the mother side of you or the business side of you or simply just be you in the world, like full permission to just be you because you are, you are enough and worthy just as you are and nothing and no one defines you. And I pray that you get to experience the level of play and permission and power and pleasures that are here for you. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jane. And where can people find you if they want to check you out, work with you, all of the things? Um, You can go on my website, which is sacredfeminindevotion.com. You can find me on social media. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's not many Vietnamese (laughs) sexuality coach out there. So you'll find me. So Jane, yeah. I will put um, her information in the show notes if you want to go have a follow um, of this beautiful human being or work with her in the future. And just thank you for taking the time and waking up early to be here today, Jane. It's been such a pleasure. And I know this will be shared and inspiring many women to just reclaim those parts of themselves because it's like, I say this to the women that I work with. It's like, when you do it for yourself, you're also giving a gift to the women around you because you're inspiring them to do it as well. And the greatest way we can empower more women is by empowering ourselves first. And reclaiming our sexuality is part of that uh, as someone that has a pussy. So it's yes. been such a pleasure to have you here today. Um, thank you everyone for listening and may you have the most beautiful day. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, take what feels good for you and leave the rest. As a white, able-bodied, cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time.